KYPM, Elisa here. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. We hope this podcast inspires you and encourages you to see more of Jesus in your life. God bless as you listen in. Hey guys, so in the last episode, I shared that the entire Sermon on the Mount was Jesus defining his brand of righteousness that flows from the inside of us outwards. The Beatitudes was a great example of characteristics Jesus was looking for in his disciples. It was not something you can try to put on, but a transformation that starts from inside our hearts as a conviction and a deep desire within. And these are the people whom Jesus draws near to and gives his kingdom as a reward or a blessing. And once we understand that Jesus is not looking for more doers or for more religious practices to define what Christians should look like, we begin to understand the rest of his sermon. Everything else Jesus says in the sermon falls back on his definition of a Christian that possesses inner righteousness or inner rightness with himself, with God and with others. Honestly, this is the kind of Christianity that I can absolutely get on board with. Not one that put more on my to-do list, but that God seeks out our heart and wants it to be okay and wants to make us worthy. During the time of his sermon, Jesus knew this, uh, that people had been brought to believe that there was a rule-by-rule righteousness they had to achieve. And because it was so impossibly high that whoever that's able to achieve it must be very holy or unquestionably perfect, which they are not wrong because only a perfect person can keep the laws perfectly. Many Pharisees surely tried in all honest intentions. Yet Jesus calls out many other Pharisees who were just putting on a show to keep that illusion and to keep the people believing that the people were not as worthy. So Jesus took this opportunity to re-educate people about God's original intentions with the law and how the law was meant to be applied in the first place. Now, till this day, many have thought that the Sermon on the Mount was new laws that Jesus was laying down or laying out, and thus we don't need to know about the New Testament anymore. And that's not true. Jesus himself highlighted this in Matthew 5 verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law, the law referring to all the laws of Moses and the Old Testament and the prophets. Uh, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus did not abolish the laws that Moses has established. He's not cancelling anything. He's not uh, removing them or replacing them. But he said that he has come to fulfill them, to satisfy the requirements of those laws himself. You know, God's original intention was to help people love God better with all their hearts and minds within a faith community that also loves God and loves each other. He wants us to freely and sincerely love Him inwardly and express it in the community that we live in, 
the community of people that God loves as well. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't it sound like the great commandment that Jesus says is the most important commandment of them all? To love God with all your heart, mind and soul. And then to love our neighbours as ourselves. See, God in himself is consistent. Consistent in his purposes, consistent in his will and in his ways. Here in chapter 5, Jesus makes examples of six different laws from the Old Testament that was commonly accepted amongst people. And he begins to apply his brand of righteousness in order to help people understand the original intent of those laws. He reinterprets these laws, unlike how the Pharisees were interpreting them during those times, but how God originally meant it to be. However, as we will discover, these reinterpretations of Jesus actually bring us back to a higher standard and a higher quality of God's intention through the law. Jesus was essentially saying that the Pharisees had, over the course of time, watered it down, watered the laws down and made it unnecessarily complicated. We're going to look at just one of those laws today and I hope that you'll be able to catch the essence and the heart of what Jesus was doing. And as you read through the rest of the laws and the rest of the scripture after this, I hope that you will look beyond the technicality of the words or so-called rulings and see God's heart in it all. The first law that we are looking at is the one about murder. And we see in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus says this, You have heard that it, is said, it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And you can tell from this uh, itself that the law, you shall not murder, is the same sixth commandment from the Ten Commandments. And the second part of, uh, of that law is implied. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, of course. Anyone who breaks the Ten Commandments will be subject to judgment. And typically, when we see a command like this, you shall not murder, we'll ask what is defined as murder, which was what the Pharisees also attempted to answer. And they tried drawing some comprehensible boundary to help guide their community understand what was considered murder and what was not. Um, and because there are so many what-ifs when you think about even the action of murder, like um, self-defense, the difference between accidental death or warfare, premeditated murder, of course, or even murder as a consequence of another action or killing of one's life. And we know that it can't all be treated equally. And a lot of other issues like suicide and abortion these days, we know that it cannot be treated equally. So the Pharisees did what the justice system did of today, to try to differentiate the, def the definition and what punishment match, what punishment in which is justifiable, which seems fair, right? But God wasn't limiting to what was murder. 
the whole question was not just what murder was, but what was not murder. Jesus brought a whole new approach, a holistic approach, if you may, and brought us to a new level of understanding when looking at his laws. You see, murder isn't just about taking away another life source, or killing, killing another in action. Jesus extended the idea of murder to being hatefully angry at someone. Jesus said in verse 22 of chapter 5, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Same judgment that he mentioned in verse 21. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka or idiot in, in English, or insults them or condemns another person, Jesus says that they will be danger in danger of the hellfire as well. Because when we are angry inside our hearts, we begin to fill our hearts with pride against the other person and hate in our hearts and desire for vengeance or to hurt the other person, our desire to rid that person from our path. That sort of anger leads to ungodly actions, including or maybe starting with as simple as verbally insulting another person because of our anger and this can lead to other forms of verbal insults, curses, condemnations, degrading words, calling names. And you know, each time we do that, each time we verbally insult or condemn someone else or curse someone else, we are destroying a piece of that person, a piece that God had created. And we have begun to bring life, sorry, begun to bring death to that person instead of life. Life that God wants to bring. And so because of that, we too are liable for judgment under God's justice system. Murder or bringing death to another human being who was made in his image is the opposite of what Jesus came to do in the first place. Jesus came to bring life, but to murder is to bring death. Death, thinking about it holistically, includes physically, emotionally, mentally, socially, and spiritually. That brings us to consider once again, what other ways do we destroy another person and in so bring death to him or to her. Perhaps we can extend to different ways of destroying another person in their social life, in their minds, in their image of themselves, perhaps bullying, antagonizing someone else, threatening somebody, emotional manipulation perhaps oppressing or suppressing another person. How else do we murder another person and then stand condemned also under this same law? See, Jesus didn't stop there, nor did he sit on his high horse knowing that 
it is going to be impossible to keep this law perfectly. It is impossible not to get angry at someone else. It is impossible not to feel the hurt, the pain, the 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 insult, and then to do likewise to to not act in our words humanly. But Jesus knew that it's something common that we would face. The following verses, we see Jesus urging us to take action towards preventing or avoiding that hellfire. Jesus urges us to reconcile, to settle our fights and disagreements and our wrongs with one another, to learn to forgive another person, to ask for forgiveness, and to do it quickly before it gets worse or before it becomes too late. In the two examples that Jesus gave, one at the worship altar, where if we remember, we remember that we have wronged somebody and we have kept hate in our heart towards another person, or another example of a legal matter where you had to bring to court because of a disagreement or problem that two people might have had that we should take action immediately while at the altar while at our worship to leave them there and go and settle that wrong go and reconcile go and ask for forgiveness before we even get to court before we even arrive at the court to go and settle it with our brothers or sister to sort out the matter before we even bring it to a legal level before we even before it gets worse so Jesus has that solution that we should go and do something Jesus reinterprets the laws by adjusting the lens which we are looking to looking into to look clearly not just at the letter of the law but into our own hearts to see the kind of person that we will be coming. One that is willing to put righteousness above correctness, putting goodness above being right, having integrity in our hearts and relationships with other people above our outward appearance and what people might say. What is Jesus saying to us today? Perhaps it is to get over our own self-righteousness when we look at other people. Perhaps it is to stop making excuses to justify what we are doing or what we are feeling or how we are acting. Perhaps it is to get out of that bitter circle that we have dug for ourselves. What is Jesus calling us to be today as we seek to be salt and light in this world? What kind of Christ disciples does our world need? One who will bear his light or one who dims other people's lights? Let us pray. Father Lord, we just come before you and present our hearts to you. All our thoughts that no one else has seen, all our fears, all our insecurities. Lord, we just present it before you and ask that you come into our hearts. 
help change us from the inside out and build all over again your righteousness in our lives. God, we pray for ourselves right now and if there be any anger or hurt or hate or desire for vengeance towards another person, we pray that you give us the courage to make right, to sort it out, to reconcile before it is too late, before that anger consumes us, before we move to another level. Lord, we know you are not pleased with it and we just pray that you will cleanse us and help us to live with integrity, righteously and at peace with you and with other people around us. So Lord, we pray you forgive us and teach us to forgive and let go of our hate and anger towards other people. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a wrap for this week's podcast. If you've been blessed by it, share the word and tag us at YPM GT Plan. If you're looking for more, check us out on Spotify for our past podcasts. We're praying that you have a great week ahead and God will continue to transform your life.